Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who's in his practical series entitled Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World. Pride, God hates it, and humiliation is sure to follow. Turn to the book of Daniel and discover God's plan A for your life. Is it humility or humiliation? Humility or humiliation. You can humble yourself or God will humble you because God hates pride. Now, in our study in the book of Daniel, which we've called this series Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World, we're going to see in chapter 4, very interesting chapter, about the conversion of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on the earth, was an egotist to the nth degree. He was so stuffed full of himself, and he has a dream. And in his dream, uh, there's some things that happen that really shake him up. He's a guy that had some some weird dreams. He had dreams in chapter 2. God spoke to this guy through dreams. Well, he speaks to him again through dreams And it's not a message for the nations. It's a message for Nebuchadnezzar that has implications for you and me today and for people who uh, live today, who have ever lived. It's a message about pride and humility. Nebuchadnezzar, I'll begin reading in verse uh, 11. Here's the story. He has this dream. He calls in his guys, his Chaldeans and soothsayers and magicians, all his, his smart guys to interpret the dream. They couldn't interpret the dream. I don't know why he even called those guys in because he called them in in chapter 2 and they couldn't do anything. So he, but he calls them in first. They can't interpret the dream. So he calls in Daniel because he says, Daniel, there's something about you. And Daniel has been serving the king now for decades. Daniel, there's something about you. There's a spirit of the holy gods in you is the way Nebuchadnezzar put it. And he said, so tell me the dream, tell me the interpretation of the dream. And it says in verse 11, here's his dream. He says, now these, verse 10, now these were the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking and behold, there was a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong and its height reached to the heaven, to Uh, to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. Okay, no big deal on that. That's a good part of the dream. It's just like, oh, this is so nice, so wonderful. And then he says in verse 13, And I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as follows, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven 
And let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let a beast mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him, seven years. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy ones in that the living may know, key verse, that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, which was the Babylonian name for Daniel, tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. And Daniel interprets his dream. God has a plan. Humility, that's plan A. That's what he wants you to choose. You choose humility. If you don't do that, he chooses humiliation. Now, here's the question. Which plan are you choosing in your life? How are you walking today? What are you doing today? Are you walking in pride or are you walking in humility? We're going to find that out as we look at the life of Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to notice three insights today from Daniel chapter 4. Such a key chapter. Insight number one, God wants us to hear and heed the message of warning. To hear it and to heed it. Daniel listens to the king tell his dream. And and Daniel was a special, special guy. God's hand was all over Daniel. And God spoke to Daniel and God revealed things to Daniel. And so when Daniel hears the dream, he gets the interpretation and it alarms him. Because he sees what's getting ready to come upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel liked Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he served him. He loved him. He knew Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan. But Daniel truly cared for him. And so when he had the, the interpretation of the dream that came to him from the Lord, his face was, was alarmed. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, don't hold back, Daniel. Tell me what it is. And he said, oh, I, I wish this interpretation would apply to your enemies and not to you. Here's the thing. King, you're the tree. You're the one that's grown so tall and so uh, luxurious and so abundant. And and you're the the, the monarch of monarchs, the king of kings. And Babylon is the, the nation of nations ruling the whole earth. And God is getting ready to cut you down. And you're going to lose your mind. And you're going to be driven from mankind. And you're going to be living like a beast for seven years, and it is going to happen to you until you understand, verse 25, that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And he says to him, verse 26, and in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. You don't rule, Nebuchadnezzar. Heaven rules. And you need to learn that lesson. And so this is coming upon you. And then Daniel says to him in verse 27, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning And do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Now, it took guts to tell the king, the most powerful man on the earth, the guy that has a hair trigger temper, 
The guy that can go off on you and just throw you into the fiery furnace or say like he did in Daniel chapter 2, put to death all the wise men because they're no good, they're worthless, they can't interpret my dream. And so Daniel, he, with love in his heart, with a concern for the king, and no doubt Nebuchadnezzar knew that, he said, listen, king, here's my advice. You need to repent. You need to do what's right. Hey, God may be merciful to you, and and so who knows? So you need to get your life right because this is coming upon you, and you have a window of opportunity now to do something about it. You need to remember this about God. God is very compassionate and very gracious. And even when God says judgment is coming, if people will repent, So often, God relents from what he said he was going to do. The scripture says this about God. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and he waits on high to have compassion on you. When Moses asked the Lord in Exodus chapter 33, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, you can't see my glory. You, You can't see my face. No man can see my face and live. I can only show you the backside of my glory. And so he put Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he covered him there with his hand, and he passed by Moses. And when he did, God gave Moses his resume. And this is what's on God's resume. The Lord, the Lord, God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. That is God. He's compassionate. He he suffers with us. He cares for us. He's merciful to us. And so uh, Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, listen, I know God, and God is gracious and merciful, and if you'll get your life right, who knows what he'll do because he's skewed to the good, and he's skewed to mercy and grace and forgiveness. And God responds to repentance. Even when he gives you a dream, which is really a nightmare, and he gives you that and shows you that he's getting ready to cut you down, pal, you big tree, and uh, because you're so stuffed full of yourself, if you'll repent... God so often relents. Do you remember when Jonah went to Nineveh? He didn't want to go to Nineveh. God called him in Jonah chapter 1 to go to Nineveh uh, and, and go preach. And he said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't like those people, those Assyrians. I don't, I don't want to go there. And uh, he got on a ship, boarded a ship in Joppa and went to Tarshish, as far away as he could get from Nineveh because he hated the Ninevites. And Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And Assyria, at the time of Jonah, they were the big bad boys in the ancient Near East. They were the ones that controlled everything. And Jonah didn't want to go preach to them because Jonah was afraid that if he preached to them, they may respond to his preaching and God may have mercy on them. And Jonah didn't want God to have mercy on the Assyrians. He wanted them to die and fry. And so he didn't want to go. And he had a little time out in the belly of the fish. And then he finally, Jonah chapter 3, he, he goes. You know, he's like, okay, I'm ready to go now, God. He's a little worse for the wear. And, uh, but God sends him there and he sends him with a message. Here, here's Jonah's sermon. You can preach it sometimes. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That was the message. That's all he did. He just walked through the city. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh, they heeded his message and they responded from the king on down and they put on sackcloth and they humbled themselves and they fasted and they they fasted from food and from water. They didn't have anything and they called upon God and they turned from their wicked ways. And the scripture says this in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10, when God saw their deeds... 
that they turned from their wicked way. Then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, you need to turn from your wicked ways. You need to repent. You need to start doing good to the poor. And perhaps God will have mercy on you, and God will prolong your prosperity, and God will relent because he did that same thing to the Assyrians in Nineveh. Hey, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're participating in. But listen, any sin that you're participating in is a sin that has a foundation of pride. It's you going your own way, doing your own thing. Whether that sin is some kind of sexual immorality, it's rooted in pride. Whether that sin is some kind of greed, it's rooted in pride. Whether that sin is some kind of bitterness, it's rooted in pride. Because you're in charge and you say, God, your way is not right. My way is right and this is what I'm going to do. And God has given you a message through me today. Turn around. You're on thin ice, pal. I don't want you to keep going in the direction you're going because that ice is getting ready to crack and to break. And plan A is you choosing humility, and plan B is me choosing humiliation for you. And God doesn't like plan B, and he doesn't want to use plan B. He wants us to choose plan A. So the first insight, God wants us us to hear and heed the message of warning. Insight number two, we tend to presume upon the mercy and grace of God. Now, here's the deal. Okay, Daniel stands up, courage, tells the king, king, you need to repent. And like I said, that's not an easy thing to do. It's like when Nathan the prophet went in to talk to David the king and said, you're the man. You need to repent You've done something so much more terrible than the story I just described to you about the man who killed his friend's uh, little lamb. You need to repent. Anytime you stick your finger in the face of the king and say you need to repent, man, it's a a nerve-wracking thing because that guy can go off on you. And so when God gives the warning, Nebuchadnezzar didn't heed it. And God is so patient, and so Nebuchadnezzar was thinking, well, this isn't going to happen to me. I'm, I'm looking good. I'm looking pretty. I must have uh, gotten through this situation. Great verse. Write it down. Remember it. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. It says this, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly. The hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Because God's judgment doesn't come just like that, and you you have God's patience here and God's grace and God's mercy, and then you presume upon that, you think his judgment is not coming at all. But that's faulty thinking. See, God's patience with our pride eventually runs out. Verse 28 says, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Now, he's, he's walking on the roof of his palace, and he's overlooking Babylon, and Babylon was something. I mean, this place was amazing. 
Babylon had a wall that was 87 feet wide and 300 feet tall. It had 250 towers inside the city. It was 14 miles as a square. It had 56 miles of wall all the way around it. And so he's looking at all this stuff, and he is just stuffed full of himself. Look what I have built. Look what I have done. But the problem was God's patience had run out. And it says in verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. Bam! When God's judgment falls, it falls like a hammer. Now, God is patient. But listen, the thing about God's patience, God's patience doesn't last forever. His love knows no limit, but his patience does have a limit. And Nebuchadnezzar tried the patience of God, and God said, bam. That's it. Insight number three. Not only do we tend to presume upon the mercy and grace of God, but God works to teach us the valuable lessons of humility. I want you to notice four lessons as we read verses 34 to the end of the chapter. Nebuchadnezzar said this, but at the end of that period, those seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? At that time my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom, and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out, so I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true, and his ways just, and he's able to humble those who walk in pride. That's Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. God will break you down. He's able to humble those who walk in pride. How do I know, Nebuchadnezzar says? Because he did that in my life, and now I praise him. See, God doesn't do that because he he's, uh, wants to destroy you. He does it because he wants to win you back, and he won Nebuchadnezzar to himself through the humiliation. Nebuchadnezzar learned some lessons that God wants us all to know and to learn. Number one, God is the one and only God. He's the one and only God. Remember in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, when he sees God deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, he sings, there's no God like Jehovah. And now in chapter 4, he sings, there's no God but Jehovah. He is the God, the most high God. All these other gods in Babylon, they're nothing. It's God who is God. In Isaiah chapter 44, the Lord says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. He's it. You and I, lesson number two, are lowly servants who owe everything to him. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that lesson. 
Man, so many of us have to learn that lesson. So many preachers need to learn that lesson because it's easy as a preacher to start thinking you're really something. Paul said, when any man thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Lesson number three, God is worthy of your praise and honor and total dependence. Now, verse 7, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just. God is worthy of all your praise. He's worthy of all your honor. Listen, he's worthy of your obedience. Remember what we said? What is pride? Pride is you going your own way. Pride is not necessarily saying you shake your fist in the face of God. Pride is just you saying, eh, God, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do this one. I think I'm going to go in this direction. Pride is when you're confronted with a sin and you say, well, I know God doesn't want me to do that, but I'd really like to do that, and so I think I'm going to go my way. That's pride. Listen, in every human heart, there's a cross and there's a throne. When self is on the throne, Christ is on the cross. And you do what the Scripture says in the book of Hebrews. You crucify afresh the Son of God. And you count and you trample underfoot the blood of his covenant, and you count it as unclean. That's when you're going to call the shots. You're on the throne. He's on the cross. But you can get off the throne, and when you get off the throne and put yourself on the cross and you die to self, then Jesus sits on the throne of your life, and then he fills the life with joy and peace and power. And it's not your will but his that you do. Hey, he's worthy. Total dependence and total obedience And fourthly, God rewards those who walk in humility. When Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself before God, God restored him. And and God blessed him. And God rewarded him. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says that the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. We have a choice today as we close out. Plan A Humility, plan B, humiliation. Listen, our nation is choosing plan B. We're on a collision course with an iceberg that's going to destroy America because we won't humble ourselves before God. We've kicked God out. We say, we don't want your will. We don't want your word. We don't want your ways. And God says, all right then. But there's an iceberg in your path. There's a reason I tell you not to go in this direction. Man, we need to be praying. We need to get our own lives right. And we need to be praying because this nation is going down the tubes unless God's people start bombarding the gates of heaven and say, God, you need to intervene. And you need to do a work. And listen, it starts with us today. Starts today. Starts today. Listen, I want to ask you, to do business with God right now, to search your heart, to see, is there pride lurking within me? And ask God, Lord, I want to humble myself before you, before your word. I want to get my life right. There's an opportunity. There's a window for everybody in this room, a window to get right with God. Don't make him humble you. Humble yourself under his mighty hand, and he'll exalt you at the proper time. 
My friend, are you a soldier in the Lord's army? Have you ever received Christ as Savior and Lord? If not, today is the day for you. Just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins, make me the person you want me to be. I surrender my all to you. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that this program is making a difference in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number, write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You really are important to God, and you're important to us, and we're here for you. Today's message, Humility or Humiliation, is from Pastor Jeff Shreve's six-message series, Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World. The lesson is available in multiple formats when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. Do you feel like you're living in a world of temptation and spiritual darkness? Have you felt the pressure to cave on your Christian convictions so you can fit in at work or at school or maybe even at home? Hey, is it possible to shine for Jesus in the day and age in which we live? The answer is yes. The Bible tells us about a man named Daniel who was kidnapped from his homeland in Jerusalem and taken to a faraway place called Babylon, a place of spiritual darkness, a place where there was great pressure to conform and compromise. But rather than give in, Daniel was one who stood strong for the Lord and he let his light shine and God blessed him for it. Now to help you shine, I'd like you to get my practical series on the book of Daniel titled Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World. I trust you'll be blessed as you put the truths of this teaching into everyday practice. I hope you'll get your copy today. God bless you. To get Pastor Jeff's inspiring and challenging six-message series, Shine, plus his encouraging booklet, In the Face of Discouragement, make your gift of any amount this month to From His Heart when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org and learn how to live the Christian life in an unchristian world. And thank you for supporting From His Heart. From His Heart is the viewer-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You can find out more about that plan at from his heart.org. Real truth.